Welcome to Thinking Into Success. I'm Dr. J.A. Jones, your spiritual coach, encourager, and friend. I'm here to help you find spiritual solutions to real problems. Each week, we deliver solutions to issues you're facing in life or someone you care about. Let's get started. How you doing? This is Dr. Jones. I'm glad you're here. Today, I want to talk about life's journey, how to make sense out of it. What it am I talking about? I'm talking about life, how to make it work, how to function in certain capacities. So we're going to talk about life's journey as you tune in, we're going to take you to different places in your psyche, in your heart, in your living, and I'm gonna help you to make life flow just a little better. Now, I'm in my studio, my lab, I call it. Sometimes I call it the healing lab, a place where I pray, meditate, reflect, I have a window, I look out the window and I can see different things in life taking place. People walking together, walking ahead of one another, walking beside each other, or see a dog, see trees waving in the wind, see some shrubs at the moment. I see cars passing by and they're passing or they're going at a certain pace. Some of the cars are going faster than others. I'm pretty sure that's probably you. You probably are a fast driver, I know it. Now, if you're a woman, I know that's true. I'm joking, <laughs> maybe I'm not. So different types of cars, different colors of cars. So I see a fence, I see a brick, Post in between a white fence. I see different things, just like when you're driving in a car, you see different things in life. You have a different perspective, maybe, about what's going on in life. Why am I here? What am I called to do? Why am I a mother? And I really don't want to be one right at the moment, that is. I know you want to be a mother. Why am I married? And you're wondering, how did you get into this? You know how you did it, but you think about it down the road. Why am I working where I am working? I'm tired of working there. Or you may say, I enjoy what I do. And you're thankful for it. Why am I driving this particular car? Why do I always have to get this phone call? Why do I always have to deal with this family member and other family members are not the same as this particular one or this child or this neighbor is getting on my nerve or the coworker is just taking you to your wits end. Why? A lot of times we may not ask it, but we complain because of what's going on. Now, there's a journey. 
that we all are on. And sometimes bad things do happen. Horrific things do happen in this life. And we're going to talk about it just for a few moments. If you can stick with me, I want to encourage you because I'm going to give you some practical and spiritual solutions to make sense out of life, to make better sense out of it. You know, some people have common sense and some people appears to be don't have any because common sense is not always common. Now, in the Bible, in the book of Job, it's not Job, but it's Job. Chapter 14, verse number one, man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Here's another translation. How frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble? We blossom like a flower and then wither. Like a passing shadow, we quickly disappear. The brevity of life. Life can be like a vapor. We're here today, and today could be 50 years, 35 years, 14 years, 85 years. However long we're here, it is short compared to eternity. It's like a vapor. We're here today and we're gone before you know it. Now, I'm going to encourage you to understand this journey and we're going to make sense out of it. Now, think about this. Life is a journey. It's not a fast race. It's not a hundred yard dash. In 2009, a Jamaican sprinter by the name of Usain Bolt set the world record in the 100-meter sprint at 9.58 seconds. <laughs> Do y'all know how fast that is? That's moving quickly. At one point, I think he was known as the fastest man in the world. Michael Johnson, an American sprinter, is the only male athlete in history to win both the 200 meters and 400 meters event at the same Olympics, a feat he accomplished at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Johnson also is the only man to successfully defend his Olympic title in the 400 meters, having done so at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. Here's Michael Phelps. I believe his name is Michael Fred Phelps II, is an American former competitive swimmer and the most successful and most decorated Olympian of all time. He has a total of 28 medals. Phelps also holds the all-time records for Olympic gold medals. All-time for Olympic gold medals. Olympic gold medals is an individual event and Olympic medals in individual events. I said that 
And I said it twice because I just wanted to. Now, it's not how fast you get there, but that you do get there. See, a lot of times people rush life, but take your time. There's a time to do everything in life. There's a time to go fast, and then there's a time to go slow. There's a time to sleep. There's a time to wake up from your sleeping. There's a time to eat. There's a time to have a meeting, and there's a time not to have one. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. Under the sun, there's a time to do everything that we choose to or can do in life. It's because life is a journey. It is not a hundred yard dash. These three Olympians that I mentioned, Usain Bolt, Michael Johnson, Michael Phelps, they were incredibly great at what they did. They ran fast or swam fast and they won medals to prove it. They were looked up to by their teammates and by fans around the world. But life has a pace to it as well. Life has steps to it as well. You know, God tells us in Psalms 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God knows each step that you take. That's why it is important to acknowledge him. Not just recognize him, but acknowledge, really talk to him about it. And he will order your steps. Because we can plan, but God will show you how to get to your plans, how to achieve that particular goal. It's all in the word of God. Now, it's not how fast you get there, right? But you got to get there, wherever there is. You got to get to a place of achievement, purpose, fulfillment, healthy relationships. Who doesn't want to have healthy relationship? But it takes work. Many people are not willing to work. You got to get to a place of justice. We need justice in our society. You got to get to a place of good character, knowing God, your creator, and his plan for your life. You got to get there to the place of making a positive impact on other people. More importantly, you have to know yourself. Life may not be as you imagine, but when you have a strong and steady relationship with God, it is even better than that. Why do I say that? Ephesians chapter three tells us, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's awesome because life is a journey. I want to talk about, as we finish this and go further, five Ps. I wrote down five Ps. Actually, I started with four. You know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I want you to know five, okay? Five is the number of grace. Let's go with five, okay? Everything has a purpose and every number has a purpose. The first P in understanding life's journey and how to make sense out of it is process. Say process with me. Come on, say process. The definition is this. It's a series of actions 
or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Mm -hmm. We cannot get away from process in life. I don't care who you are. Process is everywhere. It takes a process to construct a building. It takes a process to deliver a baby. It's a process for conception to take place before the baby is delivered. The baby is delivered in eventually in seven months, seven and a half months, eight. You know, the ultimate or the predictable is nine months later. Then the baby is born into a world. So process is everywhere. You take a test. It's a process. You have to answer each question, hopefully correctly. And there are times with the test, yeah, multiple choice. I thank God for multiple choices. <laughs> but it's a process, okay? When you go to buy a car, you not, most people don't go to the car dealership and hand the person a check in five minutes and leave. Now, you can prearrange things. You can call ahead. But it's still going to take more than five minutes because it's a process. You still may have to talk to the salesman. If you don't like what he has to say, talk to the mechanic. You have to inspect the car, hopefully in depth. You got to talk to the general manager or maybe somebody else. Then you got to go to the finance manager if you're financing your vehicle. It's a process, right? You have to buy a house. It's a process. It takes 30 to 45 days after you put down or put a down payment down or you do a contract. You said, this is the house I want. It's not going to happen in two days. Believe me. Now, anything's possible, but I want you to understand, you know, in order to graduate from high school, it's a process. You have to go through each grade level, college the same way. Work, you got a new job, you got to go through an orientation process before you get to your desk. So you can understand the company's expectation and their vision so you can work within that vision because if you have two visions, that creates a division or separation. That's not good. And it creates confusion. So life is full of process. People today hate process. You know, I've had shoulder surgery and my shoulder is better because of surgery. But afterwards, I had to go to physical therapy. Wow, now that's a process. <laughs> physical therapy helps you to get better because of surgery. This process of rehab, it can be grueling. It can be painful. Matter of fact, it's not even enjoyable, but it's needed. It's much needed to get the results of being better after the surgery. Who doesn't want to get better after surgery? Everybody do. I'm pretty sure. If not, you would not have told the surgeon, okay, let's do it. Let's have this surgery. Let's have the back surgery. Let's have the knee, shoulder, or whatever surgery that is so you can get better. Most surgeries probably require rehabilitation or some level of rehab to get you to a better place. I got friends that have had shoulder surgery, just like I have, and they have reached out to me for my insight, my advice, and I've given them the advice. And most 
have taken it and they are getting better because of what I've been through. Because unless you've been through it, you cannot relate to it. If you have never been there and I'm talking to you about it, you probably say, really? Move on. So <laughs> he reached out to me. He's a good friend of mine, a colleague, and I'm helping him through the process, even though he's going to physical therapy. My sister, my oldest sister had knee surgery, shoulder surgery, and she understands the process. She understands the pain and the purpose because there's definitely a lot taking place in process. You have to go through the steps in order to get to the higher place in life because life has a journey. So process is the first P to understanding life. You have to be able to understand process. No matter who you are or where you are, you will have to face life with the right perspective. Then you see the purpose in the process. My next P is this, pain. Come on, say it with me, pain. Here's the verb definition of pain. To cause mental or physical pain. Bottom line. Now, we all experience some level of pain. It could be the breaking up of a relationship, getting fired from a job or losing a job. It could be you lost a job because of a cutback. Uh-huh, right, because of a cutback. Or life just happened. You got injured. Your hamstring bothered you. You got injured while playing sports or acting or on the job. You got a headache, a migraine. You're dealing with gout. You're dealing with back pain. You're dealing with foot pain, kidney stones, pain after surgery, whatever we all have experienced, whether it's physical or mental anguish because of the being frustrated, because of being disappointed and you're telling somebody something and they are not listening to you. And you told them over and over and over again, it could cause anguish mentally. I think probably the most draining thing maybe in life is mental. When people are mentally drained from work, they're not doing any physical things, but they're doing a lot of mental work. They're having meetings or discussions or they're dealing with people. And sometimes that can be draining. It can cause you to be uncomfortable. But I have good news throughout life's journey. Second Corinthians tells us this in verse number three and four. Second Corinthians, I believe it's chapter one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Psalms 30 and 5 says this, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, this doesn't mean that because you weep during the night, I'm talking about literally a night, that when you wake up, you're going to feel joyful. No, no. No, you may be weeping for three days in a row about a situation or because of what has happened. But eventually, you're going to have some joy. 
you're going to realize that you need to give that to God because he's the God of all comfort and he will comfort you. And as you are comforted, you can comfort someone else. A lot of time we experience pain so we can get through it so we can go back and help somebody else. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. And you'll realize once you get over this pain and you get into a state of really understanding what happened, because we need one another. You can reach out and help somebody else in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their uncertainty. Here's the third P, patience. Say it with me, patience. <laughs> you know, there's people that I see at least on a weekly basis when either I'm at the hospital helping out, I'm helping out at the jails and prisons, I'm helping out at the community, or I find myself in a store somewhere, I find myself talking to someone over the phone and helping them, or they could be helping me in whatever fashion. I'm speaking and I look at a person, you can tell when somebody's rushing, right? Come on, I know you can. You can tell when somebody's going fast, they're walking down the hall fast, or they're getting in the line fast, or the line is too long, so they get out of the line, then they realize the line they just got out of, they're finished. And now you're in a line and you're not even finished. You haven't got to the cash register yet. And you still got to wait. And I asked them, I said, why are you in a hurry? Why are you in such a hurry? Well, I just lack patience. Most people can be transparent with you. They'll be very candid. And then they'll say, I need to work on my patience. I said, you're right. We all do, but... Sometimes God puts us in situations where we can be patient. I don't think you always have to look at praying for patience. Just be patient and you have learned something in the midst of being patient. Because the word patience means the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Now, I've been upset and angry lately based on what's happening in our world, without a doubt. All of the senseless acts of violence and killing and just stupid stuff. So I have to be patient. I have to be patient. And I know you have to be patient. All of God's children need to be patient. Patient is the quality of waiting calmly without complaining. Right? Mm-hmm. An example could be someone standing peacefully in a long line. That means you're not complaining. You know there's a process and you know there could be pain with it, but you got to be patient. I heard someone say in life, sometimes you have to have the patience of Job. Now, if you understand the book of Job, if you have ever read it in the Bible, it's good reading without a doubt. It's good studying even more than that. Job went through a lot. He lost his wealth. He lost family, livestock. He lost, well, he had good friends and then his friends turned on him for whatever reason. And the reason could be because he was going through a trial and a testing. His wife even told him eventually, curse God and die. I think she wanted him to get out of his misery. But either way, Job went through a lot. 
Hebrews 6 and 12 tells us that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. <laughs> patience is a virtue, somebody said. So you got to understand, you got to have faith coupled with patience so you can inherit the promises that God has for you. God has plenty of promises. Just look in the Bible and read it. You'll find it. And they all are for you. Patience is a virtue. Okay, let's define a virtue. A benefit, asset, a plus, righteousness. That's what I'm going to define virtue if you look it up. But those are some of the synonyms to virtue. I can go along with that. But here's another principle out of Proverbs because Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Hot tempers causes arguments, but patience brings peace. That's Proverbs 15 and 8. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody wants to have peace. Here's another one out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. The end of something is better than its beginning. Patience is better than pride. Pride go before destruction. You know that. The Bible tells that. A haughty spirit before a fall. There's so many people today are stuck in pride. They have a big ego. Now, y'all know what ego stands for. Edging God out. People can edge God out with pride, with a big old ego. But patience is better than pride. So I'd rather be patient. What about you? What about you? Right? Come on. Here's another one. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. Here's another scripture that talks about it. It is not arrogant. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four. Here's what James tells us. James five and eight. You also must be patient. Keep your hopes high. For the day of the Lord is near. Being patient in situations can lead you to your purpose. When you are really patient, you can think about where you are in life. Possibly, you will see where you want to be. When you're patient, you know, when you're standing in a grocery line or you're standing in a line to go vote, you're standing in a line at the doctor's office. Just think about yourself, not in a negative way, not in a selfish way, but think about life. Think about why you are where you are. Not just being at the doctor's office or the grocery store, but just, or in a long line on the highway. You know, there is an accident down the road or somewhere. Just think positive, think godly, think about your purpose. And you know what? It may come to you. You may discover your purpose as you think about it because God will reveal these things to you. All right. That leads me to the next point. Purpose. Come on. Can you say purpose? Say purpose. All right. You're with me now. I know you said it. The reason for which something is done or created for which something exists. Purpose. The reason or why you are here and what you can do about it. Now listen, because what everyone should know, 
They should know themselves. My point is this. You got to know yourself. God knows you. Okay. And he knows why you're here. He knows not only why you hear what you are capable of doing. He knows every thought that comes to your mind before you do. He knows where you're going and he knows how you're going to get there. He knows when you're going to change your mind. God knows what shoe you're going to put on when you get up in the morning. God knows what pants leg you're going to put on first. God knows which way you're going to brush your teeth. He knows what food you're going to eat that day. He just knows it all. He knows what path you're going to take to get to work or to go to the store. God knows that. So you got to seek God for purpose because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Life's journey will make more sense when you know that God has a purpose for you. Here's the scripture. Most of us have read it or heard it. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans. I know the purpose I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans are purpose to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future or an expected end. Do you know your purpose? If not, ask God to show you and he will show you your purpose. My next one is power. Come on, say power. That's my last one. Power. Okay, let's talk about power. The definition is mental or moral efficacy. This means getting the desired results you want in life. Say it one more time. Power. Say it with me. Okay, good, good. All right, let me say it. Power. There it is. You can say it again. The power of what? The power of godly thinking. Because I'm going to focus on your mentality. I'm going to focus, when I mention power, I'm going to focus on your mindset. When we think in life and understand, when we think, okay, life according to the Bible, we are on our way to understanding how to walk in power, overcoming any and everything that you face in order to achieve a desired outcome. The power I'm expressing now is knowledge. Knowledge is under the umbrella of power. In this podcast, in this message, as I'm sharing with you, life's journey and how to make sense out of it. Because knowledge is power. Knowledge is a commodity. It's a service. It can be like a product. People are paid because of what they know. They may conduct a seminar, teach classes, speak to an audience, one-on-one. -on -one. That means mentoring or coaching, counseling, advising, one-on-one. -on -one. They could be paid to talk about their book they just wrote. They could be paid in a sense of addressing thoughts and how your mind works, time management, Productivity in business, mental health awareness, how to understand depression and defeat it, how to have anger management in order to manage yourself when you're angry. People are paid to conduct anger management classes, how to grow spiritually, how to be a better father or a parent, how to have a healthy marriage or a better marriage. 
etc. So on and so on. People are paid based on their experiences, their so-called expertise, their knowledge. People will pay people a lot of money to, to come into a company and to help their employees become more productive, help their employees to manage their time better, to be a better person, even in general, just to understand the power of meditation. I know people that are getting paid, you know, eight, $900 an hour or more just to teach on meditation and how important it is, even from the spiritual and the secular, because people, if you think about the word meditation, that's one thing, but if you struggle with meditating on something, meditating on the scripture or meditating on your life, if you don't know how to concentrate your struggle with meditation, I'm giving some help today, okay? I can show you, not now, I don't have time to go through it, the power of concentration and how it will make meditation a lot better. So you got to know how to concentrate on something in order to meditate effectively. Human knowledge apart from God is flawed. I'm not talking about self-help. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You need God's help. We all need God's help. When we get God's mind and perspective on anything that matters to us, then we are on our way to true knowledge and understanding and power. Wow. Proverbs tells us this. I got a few Proverbs for you. I got a proof of, I have a few wisdom principles. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. That's Proverbs 18, 15. Here's another one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Wow. Let me say that one more time. Whoever loves discipline, this is a proverb. This is proverb 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof. Now this translation says is stupid. <laughs> I think this is a ESV translation. He who hates reproof or correction is stupid. Let me move forward. Physical power is one thing, but mental power is another thing. See, when you can set your mind on something and get it done, that's self-control. When you have a made up mind, no, listen, if you really have a made up mind and you're tired of being tired, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, as some people say, and I'm tired of being sick and tired, that I'm sick and tired, that I'm tired, whatever that is, you got to make up your mind and you got to ask God's help and get, God, and get God's word on this situation and you will be mentally strong. You will be a strong person because God is not giving you fear. The spirit of fear, matter of fact, that's what it says, but he's giving you a sound mind. You have a sound mind, but you just don't know it. Sometimes our mind need to be developed. When you understand how you think and know that the right thinking produces the right emotions, 
talking, walking, character, and ultimately the right destiny that you want. You'll have a fulfilled life because some people have negative thoughts and they don't know how to get rid of negative thoughts. Can your thoughts become your reality? Yes, it can. Your thoughts can become reality. That's your reality. The answer is for sure, yes. Thoughts do become reality. Proverbs 23 and 7 tells us, as a man thinks, he becomes what he thinks about. Whatever you think about all day long, eventually it'll show up in your life. It will manifest because whatever you internalize will materialize. The process takes place in this fashion. This is how it happens, okay? We think about something deeply. Then we feel something based on our thoughts. Those thoughts produce feelings. Then we speak our feelings. Next, we take action from what we say to ourselves inwardly or outwardly to someone else. Then we do it habitually. And whatever we do habitually, whatever actions we take on a regular basis, it turns into a habit. Habits can be good. Habits can be bad. And whichever one they are, it will shape your character, your moral perspective, your behavior, all of those things in life. And your character will ultimately take you to your destiny, your fate, your lot, your future. The actions that you take in life is because ultimately you want to feel good about something. What are the effects of negative thinking? You know, I talked about it earlier. Negative thinking is a bad attitude to have. It creates a sense of helplessness and chronic stress. This will ultimately upset your physical body your phys from a physiological standpoint. You can get sick. It can impact uh, your life and your mind in a negative way. You know, so many people are just a pessimist about everything, okay? And that will eventually decrease longevity. It impacts your durability, your lasting power, your stability in life. When someone has this type of thinking, their relationships will not last. You know, people have a negative perspective in life and it cannot stay in a healthy relationship. It will not last. Their money won't be right. Their money will be funny. Their money will go south. Their health will go down. They're just not a stable person because of how they're thinking. They're negative. So they must change that. It will impact their spiritual life as well. Nobody want to be around a person that is pessimistic all the time, or they just negative about everything. It came from somewhere, okay? It came from a childhood experience. It came from a situation that the person dealt with in life because they have not yet confronted it. Because whatever you don't confront, you will not conquer. Whatever you don't recognize, it's just going to be there. So you got to recognize it. You know, a drunk never recognizes that they are a drunk until somebody tells them and they still won't listen. Philippians tells us this. You can choose your thoughts. I want you to know that this is my 
I'm almost finished. You can choose your thoughts. Philippians tells us in chapter four, verse six, here's biblical wisdom on understanding life's journey and how to make sense out of it. It says, don't be anxious for nothing or for anything. Philippians four and six. It tells us, don't do that. Don't go there. Yes, it's easier said than done, but you can do it. You cannot go there. It may come to your head. Thoughts may come to your mind, just like a bird may fly over your head, but you can stop a bird from making a nest in your head, right? <laughs> I know you can. The bird going to try to land. You can say, get off bird. Get out of my head. Get off of my head. A thought can come. You can rebuke a thought. You can take authority over an evil thought or a contrary thought according to your purpose and what you want to do in life. Here's verse 8, Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How do you make sense out of life's journey? You got to understand the process, the pain, be patient. You have to know your purpose and you got to think in the right perspective and you will gain power and authority over every evil and every fleshly everything that is contrary to where you want to go in life and you will get the right results. Thank you for listening to Thinking Into Success. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, click the like and follow button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. I look forward to you being with us on the next episode. Until next time.